0: Well, we had been touring the countryside of Israel all day long. And on this day, it was hot. It was dry, hot. And um, because most of the sites in the Holy Land are sacred to many people, we were expected to wear clothes that covered up our skin, especially women, long skirts that fell all the way to the ground, long sleeves that came right up to our wrists. Sweat was beating. The bus was warm and a little stale. And right in the middle of the day, the bus pulled off loaded with 50 of my fellow students from Lancaster Bible College. And we pulled off to a surprising place in the middle of the desert. Suddenly, in a day full of dry earth-toned heat, our eyes fell on a patch of green oasis. And in the center of all the green, flowed a spring, a natural spring of water, right out of a rock. And the water was cool to the touch, and it looked really refreshing. But you know, I was traveling out of the country, and I had heard lots of stories about people getting sick, drinking water outside of the country, or, you know, getting some kind of Um, you know, some kind of parasite. So when I was instructed not to drink the water from the spring, I was very obedient. I felt the water on my hands. I splashed it on my face. And I got back onto the sweaty bus and drank from my warm, sealed, bottled water. But Luke and Billy, two of my classmates, had taken their aluminum bottles out to the spring. And when they thought no one was looking, they filled them up, which we were explicitly told not to do. And as I watched, I kind of gave them a reproving look, a proper tisk tisk, And they just looked at me and went, shh. And capped the bottle. And when we got back onto the bus, they were drinking and they were giggling as if they were getting away with something, which they kind of were. And they went on and on about how refreshing the cool water was, how it was the best water they had ever tasted, how we could all keep our bottled spring water because they were drinking real spring water direct from the source. We observed them over the next few days, I think selfishly hoping that we would see signs of some kind of symptoms, but they never came. And I have to confess, I have been kicking myself ever since for not stepping out being a little disobedient, and drinking water from that spring. Now, if you are joining us for the first time this morning, we have been walking throughout Advent and Christmas and into Epiphany, a theme that restoration is near. And I don't know about you, but to me, there is nothing quite as restorative as a fresh, refreshing glass of water. Now, it seems interesting to me that Todd spent last week reflecting on the incarnation of Jesus and how Jesus shows up as God present with us so that we can be present to other people. And the story he shared about that was when two of his friends showed up to be present to him by bringing him an extra ticket to U2. Do you remember that? And um, coincidentally, this week when I was on a commute, I happened upon a podcast with Brene Brown interviewing Bono about his new book. And he talks on that podcast about the very concert that Todd was describing. And that's just cool when that happens. And during their conversation, Brene was asking Bono, like, how is it that you two has created these songs that are spacious? She described them as spacious songs. And what she meant by that was they're songs that are big enough to hold her insecurities and her questions, her frustrations and her joys. They're spacious songs that she could sit in for a while. And Bono responded that you can really only approach certain subjects through metaphor. And that the metaphor is what creates the space. He said, especially you can't approach the concept of God without metaphor. It it's ridiculous is what he says. Now I didn't necessarily expect Bono to be woven through our theme of restoration but there you have it. Because Bono is absolutely right. When we are talking about the big things, the big questions, the cosmic truths, we need metaphor. And one of the most powerful metaphors that flows all throughout the biblical narrative is the metaphor of water. In the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, which can be found in Todd Friesen's office, it states, because water is an element essential to life, its meaning and evocativeness are universal. And the significance of water is heightened for biblical writers, because they lived in a region where water was scarce and drought was a constant threat to life. So water shows up in the Bible in a lot of different ways. It shows up as a cosmic force, as the ocean, something that only God can control. It shows up as a cleansing agent, something that washes us clean. And it shows up as a source of life now back in November Todd and I spent a morning together and we were reflecting on a couple questions one was how is it that we are seeing God moving in East Chestnut Mennonite and the other question was what might God be holding for East Chestnut in the year 2023 where are we going And after we left the retreat, we spent some time each reflecting on some of the themes that emerged from that retreat. And we started thinking about what our verse would be for this year. And we brought all of our ideas to the table and we laid them out. And then we went our separate ways and we just meditated for a little bit. And when we came back together, we both were in perfect unity on our twenty. 23 verse which can go up it's john 4 verses 13 to 14 and i invite you to just listen to it for a moment just hear the words everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again But those who drink from the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Perhaps it was this theme of restoration that we've been sitting with that led us to this invitation to drink deeply from the restorative waters of God. Because one of the themes that emerged during our retreat is that we are a congregation that is thirsty. That might mean a few different things to different people. We are a thirsty congregation. We're thirsty for justice in our time. We're thirsty for genuine connection with one another, genuine connection with the community that surrounds us. We thirst for a third way of being in this world, recognizing that the road that leads to life doesn't lie on the political or theological left, and it doesn't lie on the political or theological right but in some other way. And so we are a congregation that is thirsty for some clarity. And at the very least, we are a congregation that is thirsty for some better questions. Tired of the either or that our society is trying to force us into. And... Leah read beautifully this morning that for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And this Ecclesiastes passage has me wondering if our congregation is maybe experiencing a time to drink. To drink from the waters directly from the source. Now... If you are like me, metaphor is murky, right? Like, that sounds lovely, Elisa. It sounds really refreshing. I could use a drink of water that never runs dry, but I don't know what that means. (laughs) Where is the water, Elisa? And how do I drink it? (laughs) What is the act of drinking a metaphor? What does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? Now, I don't think that it's a coincidence that John doesn't lay it out explicitly, right? But like the Samaritan woman at the well who Jesus is talking to, we're being drawn into a broad theological conversation together. Where do we find this water, friends? How do we partake? Now, of course, I think that there are some wonderful practices to partake in this drinking. Rooted in the long-standing wisdom of our faith tradition and our scriptures. Many of them are most central to the spiritually formational practices that stand throughout church history. But some of these most basic and central traditions and practices within our faith are areas where, if we are honest, many of us at East Chestnut Street are parched. We're feeling a little dry, throats so a little scratchy. For a whole host of reasons. And perhaps we've even stopped drinking. In some areas, we've forgotten what it means to drink. Many of us are still in a deconstructive phase of our spiritual restoration process. And that's okay. It's okay to be in that phase is it any wonder that the invitation to drink in John 4 is being made to one of the most unlikely characters? The Samaritan woman at the well, someone avoided, ostracized in her community, who's feeling a little spiritually dry and parched, and who lies outside of the in-group. But the, inv- the invitation is still to drink. Now, obviously, Todd and I don't have all the answers about what this means. What does it mean to drink? We aren't supposed to. As a congregation, we are working out our faith together in community And let's face it, many of you have been drinking from deep waters much longer than I have and much more faithfully and frequently. But I do have some hunches of where we might begin. So I'll share them with you because we're here, right? Prayer, a conscious awareness of God's presence. And a willing interaction with God in time and space. For some of us, the notion of being alone by ourselves or being alone with God, exposed before God, is confusing at best, terrifying at worst. What are we doing? What do I say? Do we say anything? And if you're anything like me, perhaps the idea of entering that space is just really frightening. There may be fears to overcome. Engaging in rituals. The rituals of our tradition. Eating together. Taking communion together. Being baptized as a profession of our commitment to the journey of following Jesus. Taking time to wash one another's feet more than once a year. Washing other people's feet that we don't know. For some of us, there may be pain associated with some of these rituals. a sting of long-standing hypocrisy that we felt within the church. Some of us have been trying to distance ourselves from the hypocrisy that we see in the church, forgetting that we are the church. Caring for people, experiencing emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual distress, up close and personal face to face and walking with people in it. Not at a distance, but in relationship and friendship. And engaging scripture. Now let's be honest. There are many of us who have lost all desire to drink this kind of water. (laughs) Many of us don't know what to do with this water there's a lot of weird stuff in this water. Some of us prefer to filter the water, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's scary water. (laughs) And so a lot of us have just avoided the water. And sometimes friends, it is easy to try and quench our thirst with other things, right? I mean, (laughs) Hannah talks about having gone on a on a service trip to Honduras and in Honduras I think you have like maybe three choices of beverages and then always the first culture shock that she experienced when returning back to the U.S. was like stopping at a convenience store and just being asked what she would like to drink because there's like 500 options available so maybe we want to quench our thirst With soda or kombucha, lemonade, minnow tea. And we avoid water. But we are a people who are thirsty. And make no mistake, it is good to be thirsty. Feel it. It can be hard to sit in metaphors when we live in an affluent society. When's the last time you were really parched and you didn't have anywhere to get a drink? I can remember being in Israel and seeing these gaping cisterns that people had built for their homes underground. Just humongous room spaces that kind of plastered up so that they could fill them with water because water is so scarce. But we don't live in a society with cisterns because we take refreshing drink for granted. But very few of us are drinking water from the source. And while we are working out together what it means to drink deeply from that source of life, Revelation offers us a promise from the creator of all things. The only being who has the corner on this thing called time. And he says, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down. I love that. When God tells you, Write this down, like pay attention. For these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. So church, beautiful church. You don't hear your pastor say this from the pulpit very often but it's new year's let's drink (laughs) amen